Thank you for tuning in to Mafia Memoirs. This episode is brought to you by Rotafest and Zimware. Rotafest is the most powerful mobile invoicing software designed for auto detailers and auto recon professionals on the market today. More than just a mobile invoicing app, it gives you a complete suite of tools to manage your business. Yes, it has a mobile app designed for the iPhone and Android to decode the van and create an invoice out in the field. But it also includes integration with QuickBooks, customer management tools, reports, and now inventory management is included in this powerful suite of tools. Learn more about Rotafest at rotafest.com. Hey guys, yes, it's Jody Cedric uh, with Zimmer and Rotafest. We are in Melbourne, Florida, and uh, we are visiting Justin Lovato at JL Showroom Detailing. And it is another episode of Mafia Memoirs. And yes, we've already been talking, so I'm gonna actually capture the stuff and then blend it, but wanted to let you know what's coming because it is an hour of awesomeness with uh, Mr. Justin Lobato. Make sure you stay tuned through the whole thing because it is filled with good nuggets. Uh, I'm like on a micro level, but you're, if you're looking at a cross cut of the paint at a, mic at a microscope, this is your paint, there's valleys. You're gonna get some down in there, but it's not gonna fill that up. You're not squirting it full. I mean, you'd have, no. to, you'd have to- Well, what I tell people is that it, the way it works is it's abrasion resistant. And the, and the reason why it's abrasion resistant is because you create surface tension, which creates surface slickness. The more slickness, the less drag, the less opportunity to scratch the surface. And then they're like, oh, and I tell them, but if you bear down on it, or you have something that's in between there, then there's that opportunity for scratching. And then they're like, okay, I get it. When I sell it that way, they don't, their expectations go from everything they read on the internet back to yeah. reality. Yeah. Right, right. And okay. then they realize, okay, so we've got to really like, just make sure, yeah. boom, there you go. Now I've helped me, I've helped you help me, and now we're all yeah. good and, and giving them the maintenance thing too. You've got to get the, you've got to get the abrasions off the paint. And just squirting it off at the local car wash doesn't work. You're not getting yeah. off. That's why a clay bar pulls stuff out of the little valleys in the paint because they all have it. All paint yeah. has orange peel. It's just to what extent it has it. Well, that's where with some of them we've learned that you know the high chemical resistance for the coatings. We used to in the beginning tell people not to go through car washes. Don't go through tunnel washes, don't do this, don't do that. And what I found is because of the high repellency to the chemicals is, you know, if you in moderation go through a tunnel wash, that's pressure, no, you know, no, nothing dragging across the right. surface, um, swirl-o-matic, um, <laughs> and it's just the chemicals at the lowest setting, as long as they're maintaining the dilution ratio machines in the back, and they're not clogged, they're not, you know, yeah. just trash material going through, um, then they should be fine. Now, you're gonna wanna wash that the next time around. You're not gonna wanna use that source as a go-to right, source. Right, right, right. But, you know, if you've washed your vehicle a couple times by hand and then you're just busy with life and you've gotta shoot through a tunnel just to knock off, that's much better than the elements sitting on the surface mm -hmm. and dwelling and raining and dwelling because then it creates that, what I call the concrete effect. You know, when you add water to concrete, it turns hard by itself they're fine you know one's yeah. just liquid one's, one's just, just dust yeah. and sand and that's basically what you know the contaminants are on a surface one's just dust and sand but once you introduce water to it and then it dries in our wonderful oven of a state mm -hmm. and then it does that and does it right. then they're like well my coating stopped working or it's not there no more oh it's there you just you clogged it yeah. there's hard water spots on top of the surface it's not that it's 
down into the paint, and that's why they can be corrected out. Yeah. I mean, corrections are just taking stuff that's on the surface and getting them out. Defect yeah. removal. Yep, enhancement. But that's why we sell a crap load of the bead maker, though, because mm -hmm. with the bead maker or any topper system, but especially bead maker, the polymer that you use, again, a polymer that PNS has that is, you know, different and proprietary to what they use in that, in that chemistry, yeah. it helps strengthen the actual coating in the surface that's there and it has more resistance to water spotting element build and it creates what I call the repair uh, the repair factor or the repair value mm -hmm. of what you could do in regards to maintaining and coming back to remove those little things that cause cosmetic blemishes easier than you would with some of the other products that are on the market they're not bad products it's just performance you know some perform other than better than others like the Olympics versus the guys that are doing it amateur. Obviously, the amateur guys are doing it. The Olympic guys are doing it. But the Olympic guys are where they're at because their performance level is much greater. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with chemistry. You know, they just put more into it, so it made it that much better. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot of it comes down to what you're paying for. Right? Yeah. If I know if I'm going into it knowing I'm paying for a one year and I've got to have maintenance all along versus a nine year, there's it's an expectation, and I think that's. A lot of people have a hard time giving their customers that expectation. You know, like four hours, moving, like, no, you you've got to take that time. Yeah, and it's we, we did it um, years ago. I started getting Jody and I both on Fridays at noon. We have a standing meeting that says, do not schedule me at this time. Because inevitably, we'd have somebody come in and schedule a meeting with us on a Friday afternoon. The developers are hammered. It's the end of their week. And so then we'd have all these notes for some new project, and we by the time the next week rolled around, I'd forget half of it. So we started saying no more of that, and we'll yeah. only do updates between you know Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it's just you know kind of the same thing. It's like I'm not going to schedule four coatings with two stage back to back on the same day. I can't. I gotta. <laughs> I try to separate those in the week because we you know things come up, things happen. So it sucks because some of these guys we gotta drop it off, we'll get it done. They'll be on a vehicle for four to five days, and it's like oh yeah the heck did you do for that vehicle for four to five days i understand the whole layering and correction thing but there's some efficiency issues there that need to be addressed because i don't know we, we've sit on vehicles for two days maybe three for meaning like the third day is the delivery date for finalization of everything you know yeah. morning time no later than the afternoon but the rest of it and that could be an suv too yeah yeah, basic yeah. Thing. it's basic just thing. delegating the, the the schedule the right way yeah, well, I mean, so with that, do you find stuff like all the other products that you help influence or even your IDA president this year, did that pull a lot of your time away? No, I think I did for the most part. I, I think I managed my time very well and it was a learning thing too because I had to learn to adjust towards the end of 17 to make sure that 18 was going to be manageable. And then... It's one of those things that you you don't know how well you can do it until you're doing it. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I think I got this, and then I just pulled the trigger to do it, like to make myself do it, to take that position, and and then I made it happen. That was the thing. It was making it happen, you know, wanting it to happen. Um, so I didn't really – I honestly, I feel like I got more time now because I'm not president this year because we're not running them consecutively. Right. They want to do it to where, you know, if I wanted to be president again, there's an option there, but they can't do it consecutively. That's the right. bylaw rules. 
um, which I respect. Um, I wanted to move forward because of the consistency and the flow of things that were going from 2018. I thought would have, you know, went into 2019 very well um, with the influencing and stuff like that as the president. But new face, new things. Um, it's going to be good though. Yeah. Um, but no, it didn't take away much time. I just I, I learned how to manage it. On top of, I think the biggest thing now is like managing my schedule for travel. Mm-hmm. Like I have to make sure that in this book that it's set in stone and my day off afterwards coming back from traveling, like taking that following Monday off, that it's all done, that it's scheduled. Because if I don't yeah. schedule it, then then I'm screwed <clears throat> and I got to move yeah. customers around. And the only reason why I should be making a phone call to a customer is to check to see if they're coming in or to let them know their vehicle's ready to pick up. Yeah. Right, you know? Right. It well, shouldn't be, hey, yeah. uh, some things came up. Um, yeah. You know, that's what they'll call me for. I don't need to right, call them Right, right. And that's their prerogative. And it's okay for them to do that. Right? Exactly. But now, you probably have, I mean, you have, you have, I'm sure, cars that just you work on, right? You have specific customers that request, do you ever have anybody that requests you're the only one that works on it? Or that's, that's good. Yeah. Reason why is because I believe in not being a boss and being a leader. You build a team that reflects on you. And if that team can reflect on you and they do everything, even though you repeat yourself repetitively, repetition is everything. Quality repetition is even better because at that point they know that there's a process and a system. As long as they follow that, then they're good. If there's any snags or resistance in that process for any reason, variable, something that they can't figure out, then they come grab me. And then I show them why something went wrong, so they learn from it. So it's more of a learning experience. And that allows them to, next time around, they don't have to bug me. But I'm always sticking my head out there because the shop don't open unless I'm here. Right. Things don't come in or leave unless I'm here. I check everything in between. And with John having my back on a lot of stuff, it helps. And there's times where, you know, he's overlooked things that I'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. But I also have a rule to where... I don't mind if you spend the time on it. If you've got to spend an extra 30 to 45 minutes on something, golden, you're paid. But as soon as you don't take the time because you're trying to rush and you slip and you miss it, I'm deducting right. a half hour to an hour out of your pay. Yeah, because then you got to redo it. And then you got to redo it. And for that reason, when you hit someone's pockets, they take you a bit more serious because that's honestly at the end of the day, regardless of whatever people think about you know, doing stuff for passion, it comes down to money. You gotta pay your bills, you gotta take care of your family. And as soon as you mess with somebody's money, people tighten up real quick. Yep. And and you do it respectfully, it's a give and take. You can't just take, take, take. So it's one of those things where they know there's enough room for play, but at the same time, it's also getting the job done. Yeah. Right, right. And that's the key to it. I mean, it's like everybody's gotta buy into it. If you mm-hmm. get somebody that doesn't, you know, wanna be there, I mean, I heard the gal coming in there was your, your uh, Linen gal, talking mm-hmm. to the guy that didn't want to be there. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. You know? No, the um, the biggest thing is just that it's, it's good leadership, building a good team. You know, training them properly based on the system at hand that works in your shop. You know, everybody shops a little different, so you know, my system versus somebody else's system. There may be a cross within it not working versus something working better. And the efficiency of the shop, the layout of the shop, where your tools are, where your compressor is, where this is at, where that's at. All those play a big factor in the efficiency of everybody working together in harmony to make sure that the job gets done. Uh, and then them knowing and being educated on not just 
the tools with the products and why they work. And that's the biggest thing is like, I like to pass that knowledge down. I'm not afraid if they go get work. My, if they want to get work on the side, I help them do that. Yeah. You know, I have jobs that I don't want to take on here that I'll be like, hey, John, you want to go take a look at this? You know, you know I'll give them your card. I have, I have his cards in my, in my book here. I have his cards on my thing. That way he gets side work when he wants it. He's got all the right tools to do it. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to take away from me. Those aren't, those aren't my customers anyways. Right. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, they, everybody says there's enough work for everybody. There is to an extent. The problem is when you get into the specialty line of work, like the coatings and the correction, those are certain kind of customers for certain kinds of services. Yeah. So there's a very small group of those people versus the remainder that are all wash and wax customers. Yeah. So there is, but there isn't. But at the same time, if you have a track record and a reputation, no one can really take away from that. As long as you continue to do the right thing day in and day out, if you lose a customer because they wanted to go somewhere else due to price, yeah, and you know the integrity of your work was always on, yeah, then yeah. That, whatever, then you're not a customer. Plus, we're not contracted. Is right. for you know for a few customers I do lose every year, which happens in our industry. You know, it's a luxury service. Nobody has to do it. It's whether they can afford it. It's the luxury yeah. to do it, um, or pure laziness. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. You know, I don't want to wash my car. Yeah, I've got better things to do with my day, like my hair, my nails. You know, the other luxury services. No, but it's. It's one of those things that, you know, you, you can't sweat the small things when it comes to that. You know, when your reputation yeah. is there and you're always doing the right thing and you know that and somebody leaves and you didn't do nothing wrong, then that's fine because there's no, somebody else is going to walk in. I've had it happen plenty of times. I got to the point where it became a peace of mind where someone would be like, yeah, you know, I'll talk to my husband about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you were here to talk to me. If your husband needed to know, you would have been here with him yeah. or vice versa. I got to go talk to my When a man says that, I got to go talk to my wife. I'm like, Whoosh. <laughs> yeah well that's yeah. always the excuse right I that's mean, what it is but yeah sometimes it's legit i won't take away from you know when when people you know have relationships where they work together that's respectable but unfortunately what happens is the downside of that is so many people abuse that excuse oh, that yeah. you don't know when it's true or when it's not yeah. and that's where it's just that that's where you can make the fun of it and you know poke at it and like you know but there are some cases where it's respectable, I get it. You're financially sure. together, and, and, and she sees it fit, and then she appreciates it just as much as you, and then they both come in. I love it, because yeah. I won both of them over. But then you do get some of the guys that, again, that's that's an out for them. Yeah, I'll talk to my spouse about it. Yeah. You're going to have that. You get that in every industry. Yeah, so but it's good. it's a revolving door. I mean, again, it's, it's reputation and just doing the right thing. I Like I talked about at Air Force One, integrity. And I've, I've harped on that with these guys all the time. It's not what I do when I'm, or what you guys do when I'm out there. It's what you're doing when I'm not out there. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a difference. Yes. I was like, don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. Impress me. Be better than me. If you could be better than me and impress me, then that will make my life easier and also give more room for pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody's winning. Right. Well, and it's not like you're not going to see it. Right. I mean, it's not like this isn't this isn't an industry where you get somebody off the street that doesn't know what they're looking for that opens up a detail shop and goes, oh, I don't know, I'm just interested in it. Yeah. I'm gonna hire you to do it, and I, everything yeah. looks great. I mean, you know when there's a problem, and you're like, um, hey, there's there's a problem right here, and then they have an opportunity yep. to correct it. Yeah. And there's so many, uh, you know, we we get two sides of the industry. We get the, the the retail side, and then we get the dealership side. And the dealership side is 
it's nasty. That's a scary. Because it is. It is all just bam, bam, bam. I gotta get it, yeah. get it in, get it out, get it in, get it out, and it's all low priced, high volume, and to me that leads to low um, performance, if you will, low quality. High turnover really of talent. Super high yeah. turnover, and it's and high turnover of people. A dealership yeah. kicks you off the lot for no reason whatsoever. I tell customers, <clears throat> and, and, and excuse me, now so are we using this instead of, okay. So <laughs> I tell customers, and I'll be honest, I tell customers nothing against the dealerships, but again, going back to the majority of how it's viewed, this day and age, everything gets the title put on it. Everything yeah. gets categorized. Let's just be honest. So with that said, when I talk to people, especially locally, about dealerships, I tell them, hey, listen, nine times out of ten, the dealership doesn't own the detail department. It's subbed out. But either way you cut it, whether it's subbed out or owned, the turnaround for employment at the dealership is higher than McDonald's. So you wouldn't ask the guy flipping the burgers in the back to go make you a nice grade A USADA freaking yeah. you know, steak filet and expect it to come out. Yeah. No. So... Why would you expect that from a dealership right. when you're looking? Just because you have a quality brand doesn't mean the perceived value of the brand reflects on the detail department. Right. <laughs> so, what you drive a Maserati? They're still washing them back there like it's a freaking Crown Vic from 1990. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and the thing is, is that, the guys that the guys that do really well at dealerships on the on the detailer side, the guys that do really well at dealerships understand that. And they understand and their place. they break off and do their own thing. They do their own thing. That's exactly and or they're really good at dealing with the high volume of dealerships. Like you get your example of a headlight restoration up there. I was actually at a dealership in Idaho, and they have... Two, two dealerships right next to me. One of them is Lexus, and the other one I think is just Nissan. We were in the back, and there was a guy that's doing PDR, and they do a lot of different stuff. They do detailing, low-end detailing stuff, and they actually admit that it's low-end. It's not yeah. high volume. Own it. And so he comes back there, and Gal comes running out, and she's like, she's like, you, you got to do a headlight restoration. I just told the customer in there, you do a headlight restoration. And he's like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And he, she leaves, and he's like, I do not have any idea how to do it. So I actually had to help him. To learn, I was like, okay, let's tape off the hood and all this stuff, and we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna do, you know, you're gonna lightly sand down this, and you're gonna get out this. And I showed him how to do it. And he's like, okay, we do it now, and we do it for 65 bucks. And that's he just instantly created this thing. But he, that's what I think is the adaptability to the dealership because he could have just said, hey, I would not do that, and I guarantee you they would have found somebody else that did what he was doing plus headlight restoration. And now that's one of his service offerings is headlight restoration. Because, now he's the go-to guy for that. Yeah, because that's he's like, thing. he's like, okay, I'm adaptable. Yeah. I'm gonna deal with He is show. the service. Without him, that service don't exist now unless yeah. they hire somebody. But then now they're testing the waters to make sure that that person can perform the same way that they like the other guy. Now it becomes to where it's a, a situation where hopefully it works. Yeah. And then I thought they keep filtering through. But yeah. That, I like that because I like the people who are willing to take on a challenge and not know but yet learn and be humble learning it and then be able to perform it and then learn the little things within that service to do it better and understand it better right those right. are the guys that end up leaving the dealership or hopefully the owner of the dealership sees the value in them and pays them accurately right or they become a sub right and a lot of guys we deal with are the subs for the dealership they go to that dealership every day or every Wednesday it's a route it becomes a yeah. route deal yeah. and they just go around to them and they just go around the thing and they're like hey I got these 15 cars and we were telling you earlier there's a guy that he doesn't have to put the VIN numbers they just trust him I watched 15 cars and they just pay him he is the go-to guy on that dealership because they have a relationship where now they trust him as the partner at that dealership that he's not going to take advantage of and say he washed 18 when he just yeah. you know 16 so and, and it's 
See, that's the problem is that, again, it becomes a numbers game and it gets categorized. The majority, I mean, the vast majority of dealerships, unfortunately, don't have that employee mindset in the detail department. They don't have that level of, of an uh, employee that has the craft to operate quality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just go, 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 get it in, get it out. Paid on piecework. I mean, gosh, if yeah. I was paid on piecework, I'd be, I'd have cars lined up out here, you know? I would look like a junkyard. Right, but you the know? problem is with piecework is you and I would figure out in the first ten minutes, okay, what service gets paid the most because that's the one I'm going to be. The, yeah, I'm the expert. Yeah, well, you need that done, come to me because I'm going to knock yeah. it out. Right, I get paid twice as much for that one. Um, there's there is one that we, uh, we were at a training at the rag company and it was uh, uh, Jason Kilmer, the Sandman. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I went to his training and actually the BMW dealership sent all their guys down to take Jason Kilmer's training so that they could do a better service. And I, I actually was very impressed by that because they were actually dealership employees and they they cared enough to go above and beyond just to uh, get it in, get it out. They want to actually service their customers there in, in, in Boise. So I was actually really impressed by that one dealership there. There's some other ones that are. No, Jason is, gosh, he's, he's got a reputation that I don't even think he realizes he has because you know, right. I mean, so many people respect him and you know, on the in the detail industry, I can only imagine. I hope that it carries over in the body shop industry. But oh yeah, the body yeah. shop industry has their own issues as well. Absolutely, you know, yes. and their own yeah. egos, just like yep. the in oh, detail yeah. industry. Um, but no, he and I would love to take you know a course. You know, having the time to take a course just to learn. But my problem is, I I like PPF. I took three, two different courses with PPF. Spent some good money doing it, and it's like I still haven't utilized it yet. We stay so stinking busy with what we do. Yep. That it's like, do I want to take on something else and add that much more? And then I look at like, okay, time. That would be me doing it. But right now I have a good thing going. I can mm -hmm. add that in. And then same thing with sanding. It's like, we can do it. We do it now and we do it well. Can we do it better? Absolutely. Can we get trained better? Oh, yeah. Especially with him? Yeah. But how often would I be offering it? Yeah. Because it's something, again, that I, I don't do because I don't want to take away from too much. Plus... I try to go after the new to like new conditioned vehicles. The older ones we do get, when they see the value in what we do, they're typically well-maintained vehicles anyways. Because the way I've seen it, the track record of vehicles that are neglected, mm -hmm. one, again, it's a luxury service. They couldn't afford to maintain it. And then it got so neglected, by the time it got to a point where they couldn't stand it no more, that when they finally bring it to you to get done, it's so it's bad off money. that there's so much money that needs to go into it. There may be a great transition but to get it to that transition is going to cost yeah. a good amount of money and they can't afford it again right. so it's like again you're kind of filtering out that clientele by the, the, the premium level of service yeah. people call it high-end it's not high-end it's just premium it doesn't matter what the brand of the vehicle is right, right. I get guys that come in with Toyota Priuses that are spending 1500 two grand on coding services versus the guy with the Porsche who's like oh, I don't know if I want to spend that 500 yeah yeah it's like the, the value of what we're trying to preserve is much greater, and you want to look at it like it's just going to slap some yeah. wax on it. Like, okay. Yeah, and then and that I think is a different mentality in car ownership, right? Somebody that takes real pride in the car. You can, you know, people laugh at cars all the time, but you can look at somebody that's got a 1998 Honda, and it's... That's their pride and joy, that baby. Yeah. That is everything. Like a prelude Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we touched yeah. a whole other realm right there. Yeah. <laughs> No, the, you're right though. They, you know, they look at it in a perspective that their value is that. That's that's their Lamborghini. 
That's, that's they their busted portion. their butt to get it, and they're proud of it. They're the guys yep. on the weekend taking care of it. And, and that's where somebody yeah. who provides premium car care services steps in and says, I can help you do that. Yeah. These are the different levels we offer to hopefully be within your budget. Some of it's just knowledge, though, too, and not, not understanding or understanding how to use the tools that you have. I mean, all the tools are available. Like, you were telling that guy, I love you, told the guy that walked in there a minute ago, <clears throat> it's not like some secret juice that you can't get your hands on Everybody can buy this stuff, but <clears throat> it's knowing how to use it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can guarantee you I can burn through the paint in a lot of things in no time at all, right? You just, in too much pressure, tilting it sideways, getting on edge, getting up on a, a, you know, a high spot. You can burn through the paint and somebody's like, oh, this is a crappy tool, it's a crappy product, whatever. No, you just don't know how to use it. And it's a win-win. So, if they go buy it, for example, and they right. screw up, they're coming back to you. <laughs> they're yeah. coming to you anyway, yeah. <laughs> they go buy it. And they do it right. They may not. You may not see them as often, but when it comes back, that surface area of whatever they use, however they use it, is so well maintained that it just made my life easier. Mm-hmm. So either way, it's a win-win. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I may not see them as much, but that's on me to fill that void. Right. That's where coming into the office, doing my follow-up calls, you know, yep. keeping up with my marketing, the SEO, all the things that go into play with how you market yourself and how you sell yourself are what fill the voids in the schedule for the customers that you don't see as often as you would like to, for whatever reason. Oh yeah, and it, can, it, it works in tens of industries. Ours does the same thing. There's guys that <coughs> work on their own stuff, and then they come yeah. back. I think, in fact, Rich Sharon was telling me the story of how he got involved in detailing. I'm like, you're a gym owner. How did you get yeah. involved? Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. I completely screwed up this Corvette. And yep. The, you know, the next thing you know, he's taking, the, taking Rennie's training, and he's buying all the tools, and then he's a detailer. You know, it's like, yep. that's that his whole screw-up turned into a you know, side career for him, yeah, which that's, that's how it works. But that's, know? I mean, that's, that's how I got started. I was laid off. I never detailed a car in my life. I was passionately involved in boxing and that's what I did. And so sweating and hard work was not a thing. Yeah. You know, going to the gym and hitting the bag and getting punched in the face and hitting pads, that was hard. You know, getting winded, getting punched in the chest after getting winded. <laughs> that was hard. So a little bit of sweat into yeah. some work. It's not yeah. so bad. And um, that's how I got into it. I basically just like one day cleaned up my car. And I was like, I can dig this. And I was unemployed. So I was like, maybe I should try doing my own thing. Huh. And the next yep. thing you know, I called around. Or not called around. got a number, a couple numbers from here, actually. From the car audio guys up front. Gave me a couple numbers. Went down the list to my uh, process of elimination. Most of them were like, uh-uh, you want to start your own detailing thing and you want to come work for us? That ain't happening. Yeah. We're talking 08. You know, 08, the mentality oh, yeah. is like, you're not working for us and then yeah, no. leaving and starting your own thing. Um, and then uh, then I found a guy who let me work for him, and then six months later, boom. But that was that was just a crazy, weird thing that happened, you know? He yeah. had an opportunity, so his opportunity gave me an opportunity, and one thing led to another, and then I just didn't look back. I was like, shit, I got to gr- gotta grab this and run with it. Yeah. You know, it's the only time I could ever say in my life at this point, because I had just turned 25, that I could say I owned a business. You know, because everybody, and I think it's funny now, especially being more of an entrepreneur mindset and, and being involved in multiple things and creating other streams of revenue other than when I just started, you know, the only way I was able to get paid was by washing a car, literally. Mm-hmm. Now I've got multiple streams and invested into other business. So it's like, when I think about it and I look at people like, yeah, I own a business, but is it profiting? Is it a right. real business? Right. I mean, is there something you're really working or did you just go 
get a couple business cards made from Vistaprint <laughs> and get involved with somebody who has some great ideas yeah and say mm-hmm. I own a business so you could go around town parading around as like you're the rest of the everybody else that owns businesses that yeah. are actually putting in the work and have to pay to play with taxes and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, well, I, and I find that funny because it's a lot of people will do that. Like, yeah, I got this side thing. I, uh, I put on kids' birthday parties. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call that a business, but I mean, if you're making a couple bucks here and there, yeah. it's more of a hobby that makes you money, but okay. You yeah. Know? yeah. Well, and that's, I think that, that is very reflective of our entire society. There's a lot of times we put on a face and we want yes. to look like we're bigger and badder and better than we are, right? I mean, that's Thank like, you, social media. Yes. We started with MySpace where it all was a little right. rocky and then when we got started. that Facebook launch, oh man, I, I was a scientist one day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was telling my kids the other day, I snapped a picture next to something and I said, that's my new Tinder profile. That's <laughs> right. No, it's not like in elementary school where you dress up for what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to be today on Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and that's, that's really where we're at. I mean, you get people that'll... Even, especially in the detailing industry, I mean, it's, it's such an image thing because that's what you're... That's what you're promoting, is, mm-hmm. is making your vehicle look great. So yep. it's all about yep. images. And there's certain people that, you know, as you as we walk around in your shop and you look at it, there's more than an image, right? I mean, you've and there's a brand here. branding the whole thing. I mean, the floor, right? Everybody doesn't have a nice floor, and it's not. It's it's because it serves a purpose, you know? And, and everything about it is an imaging and a branding where it's different than me going in and snapping a picture next to the hood of a BMW and being like, you know, and you just wash. Here's my smoker. You know, <laughs> it's like my neighbor's car. Yeah. You know, but I hope Justin has something cool in the shop because I need a new profile picture. Oh, you know? I love that. The ones that stand next to the Lamborghinis that they found in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Not that anybody who owns a Lamborghini shop is a Walmart. Most likely they don't. They're more the yeah. Target kind. But. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. but no, but you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's an image thing. That's, in, you know, coming from, again, the boxing background. And I think there's a lot of things that that gave me the tools I needed to become where I'm at. But people, things, life experiences, and that's the thing, it's life experiences. You learn from certain things. You know, you get people who come into shops and they look around. If I'm with somebody and that other person walks in and they start to look around, if these walls were blank, there's no storytelling. Right. I need a, I need a story to be told without speaking. Mm-hmm. And that's where when they come in, you go to an art gallery, you don't, it's quiet in the art gallery. You hear whispering, you hear people walking around, but they're in awe of what they're looking at because the story tells itself. Right. That's what it comes down to with any business. You need to have them walk in and let the story, the presentation of your shop, your business, have a story to tell. So when they're there and they're just looking at things, or they're wandering eyes, they could be completely engaged with you. But some people have wandering eyes. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of like, you know, then they're back to you. And, you know, they're back to you, which that's a mental thing most of the time. Right. But, <laughs> but that is, again, helps with the story, helps paint the yeah. picture because now you've got, you're in the picture. This is my frame that you're looking at. Yep. Right. And, and you have to put an image in there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I've worked in auto shops since, uh, first time I worked in auto shop was in 1987. 
so for a long time I've been in automotive shops. Yeah. And I, when I was young, it was like, okay, it's Friday afternoon, it's time to clean the shop, you gotta straighten everything up. And I didn't get it for the first probably four or six months. And then I finally got it. I was like, okay, there's a purpose to this. You're not gonna come in to get your car restored. I work in a restoration shop. So you're not gonna come and get your car restored when you go in someone there's four inches of dust on the ground. There has to be a showroom, there has to be a place that has stuff on display, whether it's just a fender, whether it's a whole car, whatever it is, you need to show your wares. You yeah. can't just walk in and be like, there's a skaggy old shop and there's a hole in the wall and the floor's torn up and it's all. Well, that's the thing, when you think mechanic shops, the yeah. first thing most people think are greasy, stuff everywhere, yeah. that's the problem. Somebody painted that image at some point in time in the past for the industry to be viewed that way. When, not relevantly, but then when you think detail shops, most people think just like when they say, oh, like up front, when they say, oh, he's around back, you would have no idea how many people walk right past my bay and go to look at the back side of the building. Because in their head, it's a painted image that, oh, it's a detail shop, he must have a tent out back. Mm -hmm. That's just the image they have. And for some point in decade in the industry of detailing, that's the image that was perceived as detailers. And that's where like you can you can embrace that and actually use it to your advantage by building something greater. And mm -hmm. if everybody does that, now for that decade we just created a new image for our yeah. industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what uh, Rennie Doyle and I were talking about it because he was saying something about, you know, if I see one more before and after split hood that's not in somebody's showroom, and that the caveat there is that that's the place for that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. everybody loves to show it before and after, and everybody does it, and that's great because that's mm -hmm. the only really thing you can see. It's like weight loss, right? If I walk yeah. in and go, hey, I used to be 300 pounds. Well, unless you see that picture before, you don't understand that. Yeah. But the same is true with having something in your showroom because somebody may have never seen that. They don't even understand that, you know, I got all these swirls on my car, and that's just natural. I mean, I've been washing it with grandma's old terry cloth towel for 100 years. That's every car I've ever had. When you see that can be removed, that paints a new picture. Right, it, it it alters that image of the greasy old mechanic behind in the tent. So that's, that's no, it's that's that's a huge thing to, to come from. Now mechanic shops have changed. Now now oh, people yeah. know. Oh yeah. I mean, there's some that you could you know, eat dinner off of. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's same thing with detail shops. Finally, all of us in the automotive industry have come from that rough, you know, gray floor, white wall, lifts here, mm -hmm. random stuff there you know, parts in the corner kind of scenario to where it's much cleaner. But we have a lot more tools, a lot more organization, a lot more resources to make that happen. At that point, that's the integrity of that individual to make those decisions to make that happen. Yeah. Yep. And that's where the choices where, you know, they come to this shop, then they go to the shop down the road. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. If you're not doing it the right way, I mean, you could do something the wrong way for a very long time. Or do something very basic for a very long time. I know there's people in this industry that, and I don't take this from them, but they've been doing, in the detail industry for 30 years, detailing cars, boats, everything they can get their hands on, you know, no job too small kind of scenario. But they've only been washing and waxing for 30 years, basic interior cleaning. That's great, it's common core to say, basic cleaning, things like that. But then, uh, six months later, they want to get into trying out paint correction and ceramic coatings and then they take and try to carry that same title over we've been doing this for 30 years mm -hmm. no 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 you just went into a whole new realm yes there's a lot of similarities of products and procedures yeah. that carry over 
but you still have six months experience on doing this, not yeah. 30 years. You have 30 years washing cars and waxing them, not 30 years doing paint correction and understanding how paint reacts with different pad and product combinations, different machines, throws, all the variables that go into that, you're still getting a grip on that. So to say you have that, that's false advertising. Mm -hmm. And that's where, it's, it's weird how that works out. And that's, that's... Yeah, and the challenge is for the consumer, right? Because the consumer yeah. is not going to know the difference unless, like you suggested, they go visit a shop. I mean, because you can walk into this shop and walk into a shop that I know in, in Amp Idaho that I've gone to and there is a major difference just by walking into the shop. You you know, I, I would walk in there and I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing my BMW Z3 in here Story or my Calabria. I'm not bringing in even my, you know, daily driver to the other guy because of the presentation, the environment. And he may the, do badass work. And he may right, do great right, work, exactly. He's shooting himself in the foot because the image, you know, when somebody walks in this door within the first probably two minutes, they're going to get an image of what it is you do. They mm -hmm. can look around the room. You know, if they're perceptive, they're going to see your picture 14 times on products, right? Oh, this guy's involved in a lot of stuff. They're going to pick up, you know, he's a family guy. There's a picture of his kid. They see, you know, they're going to be perceptive. They do the same thing at a crappy shop. They're very perceptive. If I walk in and I see a, just a huge pile of dirty towels, I'm like, I don't want those touching my car. Does he reuse those? Is it soaking up the floor? I've seen pictures that people yeah. post on social media. Yeah. They're like, check out this car. And then in the background, they've got a workbench with stuff scattered everywhere, towels here, towels there. And it's like, car shiny as hell. But what the hell is that? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah, you're, you're completely just an oxymoron there. Great, car looks great, but this is the shop we did it in, and let's get a close-up on that. No, 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 let's keep yeah. the distance. Well, clean yeah. up your area. I mean, that's the thing is you got to clean up your area, and everybody's, you know. I do that with shots in here. I'm going to take a shot from behind the vehicle to show, obviously, license plate off and what the rear looks like, and then the bathroom door will be open with the freaking toilet right there. And I'm yeah. like, oh, we got to close that door. Close the door. Nobody yeah. wants to see the shitter. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Nobody clean. wants to see I saw that. A social media posted somebody ceramic coated the inside of their toilet the other day. That's the only yeah, time you want to see a toilet in a picture. <laughs> no, but that and that's the thing. Like with a lot of the stuff that's in here too, stuff I've just accumulated from the events and projects I've worked. You mm -hmm. know, and and the the biggest thing I learned about this industry is there's a lot of fake it till you make it. There's a lot of them that take one event that they've worked. And they'll talk about that event for years to come like it was the pinnacle of their life mm -hmm. you know it's like the high school graduate that was also the, the the star football player yeah that was the peak of his life he talks about it for the next 30 years he did nothing else with his life there's yeah. a lot that that have that and i'm not taking away from him not bashing him by any means but there's a thing of owning something you've done and it then it has his expiration yeah. You know, and that's where I was like, I don't want an expiration. Well, what can I do next? How hungry can I stay yeah. with each project, each event? And then by doing that, it builds mm -hmm. a ridiculous resume. So when it comes to, not the end of the line, but to a point where you're like, okay, I've got this resume. Mm -hmm. I've got this hearty, long list of things that not only have I done once, but multiple times. How can I make that work for me now? Now that I put all that physical labor into doing all those things, all that travel and all that money, what where can I utilize this to make me money now? Yeah. Well, it's a depth. 
it's a depth of knowledge. It shows a depth of doing those kind of events and putting out there for those things. I mean, if you've got, you know, oh, I've been to the uh, the auto geeks, you know, this, and I went to Air Force One, I've been demonstrating at this, and I've spoken at this event, I've spoken at that event. It gives you this, this depth and breadth of experience and knowledge that paints a bigger picture, um, you know, than just that kind of that one-hit wonder. It's the same thing. You can yep. equate to music, yep. right? I've got 10 albums, or I had that one song that one time, and it was badass, man. You know, and it's it still rocks, it's but still it's the like, best song the ever. rest of your album yeah. sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never had another one, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. But that's, again, that's where I take little tokens from every event, and I, I try to find some way to utilize them. You know, I had one, one guy come in here, and it kind of threw me off, and I, and I had to think about it for a while. And it was an older gentleman, and he's like, man, you sure do got a lot of pictures of yourself in here. And I was like, oh, man, that's not good. I was like, I wonder what that 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 yeah. looks like coming. Because I know where this stuff came from. I know how I got it. You know, they're from SEMA. They're, they were going to yeah. throw them away. Why not keep them? Why not send yeah. them back? And it, it, But to a consumer, they don't know the backstory behind that. They come in here, and they see, again, like you said, there's a picture of me, picture of me. It's like, huh, maybe I should... Maybe I should change that. Then I'm like, nah, there was only one person out of the last couple of years that those have been up. It's not that big of a deal. Well, no. and the other thing, too, is, is I'm thinking about a question that Chris West from uh, Solution Finish asked. He said, how do you know when somebody's a master? And there, there's a difference when you walk into certain shops, especially your shop. You see master level, not only detailer, but business owner. Right, and what I find is that those that have risen and, and invested in themselves over years to become that master level, they end up being the guys that are t teaching. They're the influencers, right? And so that's really the, the legacy that I think the ultimate goal of someone like you or Rennie or, or Mike Phillips at AutoGeek or Bob and Dave, you know, they're really building legacy in their doing everything they can to elevate the industry by being a good ambassador for the industry as a whole yeah right it's not come in and look at all my pictures of me no come in and say look i'm i'm a contributor to the industry yeah look where we've been look yeah. what we've done yeah we've taken pictures to prove it <laughs> yeah. that's essentially but no and to touch on that master thing you know there's a there's a big controversy within the industry you know we're with the Detailers Network and the Detail Mafia, really the only networking group that has a recognized platform for how you become a master. There's no yeah. other group that's, you know, there's a lot of good groups, but they're loose compared to ours. That, you know, that's just so tight how we run things as, as a um, organization. I yeah. don't want to say association because that's what the IDA is. We're right. more of an organization, mm -hmm. hence Detail Mafia. <laughs> But with that, you know, a master, a lot of people are like, oh, you can never master anything. The title master is not for you saying you know it all. No. It's to say that you've done enough to be relevant, and not only to be relevant, but you know it so well that you have enough to give back that it's a track record that could help somebody else be as equally successful if they put it into play. Mm -hmm. And you continue to strive to be current and learn those new ways along with being able to embrace change and integrate that into old ways. Yeah. And overall just have that kind of come together. But and that's I think what mastering is, it's a lot of different variables, the craft, the business, like you had mentioned. And that's where people get it wrong. I think that they're just so intimidated by how much more time they have until they become 
that level mentally. Yeah. That it's easier to resist the idea of it and talk crap about it than it is to understand and be like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Eventually one day. But, yeah. You know, people want instant gratification. Yeah. If it takes yeah. seven years or ten years till that gratification kicks in, then they're like, oh, screw it. I don't want to be a master. Yeah. 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 Well, they do that on the inside. On the outside, they just they exude this cockiness, and I, I separate those two: cockiness and confidence, mm-hmm. right? And some people are cocky, right? Oh, look at this! I did this! I did this! And you're like, okay, that's great. Or they're like, I'm proud that I did this because yeah. it's the first level to getting to what I mean. It's the first time I did it, or blah. blah. You can just hear somebody talking about it. You know, oh, this is the first time I've used this product, and it turned out pretty good. You know, but I don't know how to use it very well, and I don't. That's why I think I was very impressed at the. Um, uh, the PNS distributors when we went to Rupes, and you've got and I and I posted something on it. I'm like, you've got probably some of the best detailers in the entire industry, all clamoring around this new tool, not because they're cocky that they know how to use it better than anybody else, but because they want to learn the difference between this tool and that tool, and can they do the same level that they do with one they already know? Yeah, you know, they may not know this one. Yeah. you know, the old adage it turns Absorbing, the wrong way. Engaging, yeah, understanding, learning, and teaching, and, and you know, you get somebody like Mark Elliott and Kyle that were sitting there, and I, I mean, I grabbed the, I, I grabbed the root guys. It's the first time I ever had one, and instantly both of them, not, not in a punitive way very very gentle both those guys huge guys but very gentle when they, they came and put their him, one hand over both your hands no and they just he's like you need to put a little bit more pressure till you see about half the pad go down and then you know and then and i'm just very very good at teaching you and in a way that they want you to learn they have no there's not one ounce of them that cares if you ever like you said became better than them yeah you know yeah. to them it's impressive it's like oh shoot i couldn't take that out and you did that was great it, you know having here's the thing that's what i love it's like sometimes it's, you don't want to be first because if you're not first what are you going to chase yeah yeah if you're second you've always got first to chase yeah but if you're first then you're there and then what are you chasing what is there to get i mean you have to pioneer something you have to change something you have to be, do something new i get that that's cool too but but when, when you're right there and there's somebody better than you, you always have something to chase. There's always something there to be hungry for. You know, and that's where the humbling aspect of that is. But at the same time, it's, you know, with, with I lost train of thought where I was at with that. I was thinking of one thing and then we went into that. But um, the humbling aspect overall, finish, the humbling aspect of, of being helpful and moving forward and, and not being cocky and that's that's where I was at the difference between confidence and cocky and I learned this in in boxing and fighting this day and age when somebody's confident and they want to talk about it be loud and proud everybody thinks that's cocky but if you did it and you own it and you've been there and you're just talking about it that's not Mm -hmm. it's just like a champion who fights if he's got the title and he talks about how he kicked everybody's ass that's not cocky. He did it. He did it. Yeah. So what's the difference in somebody, you know, going out and accomplishing all these events and talking about it and being proud of it, and then when a customer comes in to sell them on a service that they've done a hundred times over with their eyes closed and to be confident in it, that's – I'm sorry the guy down the street is questioning his own work, but, yes, we can do that, and we can do this, this, and this. Yes. Same thing with the fighter. The fighter has a title. That's not cocky. That's just – that's mm-hmm. the confidence because he knows he's accomplished so much that now it's just who he is. It's what he's become. 
It's where he's at in life. And that's where people get it confused. Because again, this day and age, instead of people appreciating the positives, they want to pick apart the negatives. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really what people try to build themselves up by tearing yeah. somebody else down. If you want to talk about, to me, the big difference is if I want to talk about my abilities and I can back that up, that's one thing. That's confidence. Yeah. But if I want to build my abilities by tearing yours down, you know, if I'm watching somebody else, and, oh, I'm way better than that. I'm way better. You're not doing it. Show me. If I can show you that I can do that, that's great. That's me having abilities. But if all I can do is tear somebody else down, that's just, that's nothing. That doesn't do anything for anybody, no. you or them. So that's why, like, in our industry, as well as, like, with yours, you talk about what you can do. You don't talk about what the other, you, welcome, go down to the other shop, take a yeah. look at what they do. It's going to speak for itself. I don't have to talk about it. And I don't have to talk about our competitors because their stuff speaks for themselves. I'm going to talk about our abilities and what we can do. You know, and I think that's the difference that most people don't get. I've had a lot of people, like when we were at the SEMA show, come up to me and talk to me about the mafia and the IDA. And, you know, why is it that everybody that's in the mafia seems to be so cocky? And I'm like, be careful because they're not cocky. They're confident in their abilities. I watch these guys so many times. So many members have have said that and made statements, have brought that up as a, t- a topic subject, why out at events. Yeah. And I and you say, look, these people go to more trainings and have more certifications and more recertifications than than most of the industries in automotive. Right? You can go become and I you know, you can go become whatever you want to be and be a certified person, but how often are you retraining? How often are you looking at new products and new tools and new techniques? And people are doing it constantly. That's the one thing that I think has changed a lot in the last probably eight to 10 years is how much training people go through. You know, like we were just talking with yeah, the gentleman that came in here, Scott, mm-hmm. where are you gonna, when are you gonna go to MTE? Well, I'm going for education day. That's where his value is, is learning. Yep. You know, and that's a big difference, I think, in where people are at today than several years ago. No, I agree, I agree. And the um, the flip side of all that is, 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 you know, what people view as, you know, all those things of helping and doing that but the success behind all that is where people have and I get it different perceived value of what success is Mm -hmm. and within how successful they can be if they have more education how successful they could be if they do better paint correction but at the end of the day I think you know the whole persona of success is when you have a challenge you overcome that challenge no matter what it is what level it is that's success you know, if you've last year only made 30000 mm-hmm. and you pulled in fifty the next year or forty, that's success yes, because yeah. you did better than you did the time before. And the challenge was how to become better, how to figure out how to be better, you know? And that's, that's uh, everybody looks at success differently, but as long as you're overcoming your goals and your challenges, at the end of the road for each of those is success. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the challenges of people learning to be better, do better, be more humble, mm-hmm. that's success. When you're able to achieve that and put your demons aside because you can't focus on the positive and you're so focused on the negative, success is when you're able to take and look at things in a positive manner, mm-hmm. smile, enjoy people's presence. You know, because like with team sports, you may play against each other in the arena, but when you retire, 
you're all kicking back, having beers, you know, talking eating dinner about together, talking about what happened in <laughs> yeah. the arena. Now all yep. of a sudden you're best of pals. Yeah. Same thing in the detail industry. Oh. You know, you may be in the same town and bumping heads now because you have two different business approaches. But when it's all said and done and you sell off or retire or whatever the case may be and you meet back up later in life, all of a sudden you're best of buds. Yeah. And that's that's successful. But yeah. unfortunately it's what you see later down the road versus right now. Well, and it's also what people want to perceive as what, again, social media, what is successful. You know, I may never own a Lamborghini. Well, that's okay. That may not be how I view success. You know, the things... The things that I want in my life may not be what someone else perceives as successful, you know, and and vice versa. I may look at something somebody else says and go, that's great, you go knock yourself out. But yeah. that, they made it, right? Yeah. To them, that's the shit. They made it. That was their goal, yep. life's dream, they achieved it. And so yeah. I think success is really based on your individual thing. And Jody and I look at it a lot with success is you're, you're, you're the pilot and you've got like 147 knobs in your business and you're adjusting them all the time. And as long as, as you adjust them, you're improving whatever area yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. whether that's more people, more money, better this, better that, have a bit more paint on the walls, better image, higher quality of client. One of our things we did several years ago is we, we said we want a different level of client. We don't want this level of client. And not that, you know, there's some people that want to have clients that are you know, $10 here and there. We wanted to have higher levels of clients, more users and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's a success. You know, you want yeah. to work on only uh, cars that bring in X number of dollars per hour. You know, that's one of the things they talk a lot about in the in detailing is how many dollars an hour are you working for? Well, some people can be successful at there's a guy in Idaho goes to a dealership and this dealership will not pay more than seventy five dollars per car. And nobody else in town will deal with this guy. And there's a customer of ours that's been at that dealership for like over 10 years and they make good money at $75 a car and they've figured out how to do it and then he's successful at it where everybody else failed and it's just you know how do you adjust yeah. those knots yeah no I that's exactly what it is it's just that individual path that that individual is walking in life they have their own challenges and overcoming those challenges is what is successful Obviously, we have our own perceived value of everybody's life, but that's where you got to kind of sit back and be like, you know what? Stay in your lane. Focus on your own life. Yeah, stay in your so, lane. You know, respect yeah. others and help your friends, your family, but just, you know, that's, and that's, I think, where we went wrong with social media is because you get, you get a window and a, and a snapshot of everybody else's life in the world. Before that... Before this, when it was flip phones, you didn't get yes. a snapshot. You got a snapshot through TV. You got a snapshot through traveling. You got a snapshot through going places and spending time with family or friends in your travels. And the key is you get a curated view of that life. You, now, don't, get, you don't get all of the trouble. Typically, you're not getting the backstory, the challenges. You're only getting the highlight reel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That makes a world of a difference. That's... Yeah, and to know about most people's past versus the highlighted reel would change perspective dramatically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dramatically. Yes, it would. You know, so. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it could, yeah, some people that are so likable could be very unlikable. <laughs> I can say that about myself, too, which I don't mind, sure. you know, but it's just one of those things that, that's, that's the cool thing about social media, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, honestly, I, I, the people who keep it real 
on social media are the same people you see at the events that are the same people you see on social media doing the same thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's another reason why I stay so involved for my own peace of mind is that, you know, I want to show people that I'm real as can be with this. But what I say on here or what I say elsewhere is the same thing I'll say anywhere else. Yes. Now, there's some things I won't broadcast publicly if somebody came to me on an individual basis, you know, just sure. like I have my own conflict with you know, people within the own, my own arena of detail and that claim to be something that they're not. Their performance is here, but they're claiming it here. Yeah. Now I have a problem because you're playing on, in, on my playground doing yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and if I've always had that kind of issue in the, in the industry, even with, um, with fighting. Sure. You know, you said you had all these fights, but you won't get in the ring as far. Or you had all these fights and you got in the ring as sparred and what the hell what are you your first day <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's yeah. it's like a good business plan it all looks good on paper and so you've got to put it into action yeah yeah and that's what it comes down to it's like so you know and, and but i don't those are the things that you know collectively we we have our own things that we choose pick and choose to talk about publicly and non-publicly i'm very trans transparent with a lot of stuff sometimes my mouth gets ahead of me I don't care though. I think that's the fighter's background I have. I think that's but, when you say keep it real. Those are the people that I. I mean, I, I appreciate people being honest. I'd rather have somebody come up and be honest with me and tell me at the beginning than try to sugarcoat it and and yeah. and and lie to you. And like not we have, did with the programming. Yeah, I was just like, yes. hey, I want to do this, this. Yes. And I think that's what a lot of the product influence and the engagements I've had. These aren't things yeah. that, like I went and was just like, hey, you need a guy, you need a face. Yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah. like. Hey, they came to me like, do you mind doing this? So I'm like, hmm, hmm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. If it's crap or I don't like something about it, you're gonna know. They're like, no, 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 no. That's what we That's want. That's what we want. Because other people, I give you something free and you're just so happy that I gave it to you for free. They're like, yeah, this works great, man. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate My it. My new favorite thing. Yeah. I've never even taken it out of the box. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you're like, uh, you could open it. But that's was one of the things that I really appreciated about, um, about Rennie. Mm-hmm. as well I mean you're, you're very honest with the stuff and what you want and Rennie did the same thing after his his uh, two keynote speeches came to me and said and he, and he said it in a term he goes I want gloves off honesty right he doesn't want anybody to blow smoke no he wants you to tell me what you yep. saw you know yep. was it good or bad or indifferent and that's those are the you get the the quickest road to any thing I don't care if it's a product a business or something personal that's the quickest road to getting that fixed or resolved is to just be honest about it you yeah. know it's like, hey, this this needs to change. This doesn't work. This is why. Excellent. Let's change it yep. and move on. You know, yep. I'm sure that the products that you represent love that. You know, hey, I don't like the way this performs. You know, this one, this particular wool pad. There's all kinds of fluff going everywhere. It just it's worse than the other ones you come out with. I don't know what it is. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's a new blend or whatever. I mean, instantly, instant correction. Instead of, hey, this is my favorite new pad. And then six months later, yeah. they got everybody hating it. And they're like, God, Justin didn't tell us anything about that. You know, I mean, it's just. It helps everybody. So. No, I agree. And that's, you know, where it goes back to business, like in the coding world. You know, that's it. There's three main topics in the industry that people don't talk about, that shouldn't be talked about or have a hard time talking about that create conflict. Politics, religion, and codings. <laughs> and codings. So with that said, you know, that's where, like, you know, again, going back to somebody who's inexperienced with putting the codings on, what I've come to find out, you know, with, with these is the necessary evil of failure. If a product fails, how and why? Finding the solution, finding the reasoning, and making sure it doesn't duplicate itself. Mm-hmm. If you could do that, 
on many different levels, then at that point, and in, in telling your customers that and being honest, that's being honest, that's being transparent, that's being real. You know, versus being like, oh yeah, it works great. Never had a problem. Yeah. It's chemistry. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it, things happen. You can't control it all. You know, just like software, even with you guys, even though you, you put it in, you put the, 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 the damn matrix looking numbers and <laughs> all that stuff in, things happen. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's like, it is sometimes, but having a solution and or documenting that in your head to know, okay, we have this problem, this is what we did. Mm-hmm. Now, next time around when that happens again, you're like, oh. Let me figure it out. Let me figure that out. This is what we did before, oh, there, got done. As yeah. to where like, with coatings, you know, you get the guy who's never had failure and then the first time he has one, oof. Well, he either fit, he either learns from that mistake and that failure, or he goes, "Oh, that's crap product. I'll never use it again." And again, back to our cocky and confidence. The cocky person is going to always, always, always blame it on something else. Yeah. The confident person is going to go, "Why did that fail? Did I have too much heat? Was it in the direct yeah. sunlight? Yeah. Was the fan blowing on it? What was going on? Was it? Is it? Could it just be a bad batch or whatever?" I mean, it's like you look talk to Dave Phillips. He lo- not he doesn't love it, but anytime there's a, a failure, like we pulled some bottles out that have been stored for a while. And he's like, give me that. And he wanted to analyze why it failed, yeah. why it hardened, why it wasn't mixed together. The better you understand that, the better you become in general. And that's what, that's what a lot of these guys understand. Anybody could apply these products all day long. But it's after you've applied them, the maintenance, the failure, the issues. What do you do then? Once you understand those things and have solutions, you may not have every solution, but when you have a good majority of solutions, ooh, at that point, you become very lethal yeah. because now, you know, if you're if you're like we are, where we have services that have the customer coming back as a retention for maintenance, for just a basic or seasonal or annual, or whatever it may be, during those times, you have the opportunity to make it right, whether they notice it or not. And if you have multiple solutions for yeah. the problem, and it doesn't burn your time, mm-hmm. then it's always right. Yes. Yeah. Now you've got a happy customer, no matter whether that product worked or not. It's yeah. always on point to them. You know what happened in-house, but that's on you. That's that's what you deal with in-house. Right. Once it leaves here, just keep it at that level. Yeah. But having a solution for all that is what makes a difference. Again, that goes back to, it doesn't even have to be coatings. It could be sealants or waxes, but we know that... The coatings do have that that durability. They do have that repair value. You know, they you can't just go with Dawn detergent and compromise them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Sealing or wax, obviously, that you are at some level. Yeah, you're chemically removing. degrading the product. Right. But those you know those things are what I think in our industry right now. What the biggest thing is the hype of those. They're not going nowhere. I mean, gosh, I got a product here. I'm not going to show the label. Not to, not to, I would love to, but I don't know how much <laughs> yeah. it's in marketing. So this is put through a foam cannon. Wow. Two years. And I can't remember whether he told me he found a third-party warranty that gives it a two-year, either a two-year or a four-year guarantee. Foams. So you correct it. You pull it back outside. You foam this on. You rinse it down. It's coated. That's it. Wow. Every surface it touches. Now, obviously, it lasts longer on paint because that's what it's made to sure. adhere to. Right. But yeah, that's so. That in itself is game changing. How we looking, sir? Well, guys, it's end of day, and yes, Justin had to go. So 
It was a super packed day. Hopefully those nuggets were helpful for you in growing your business. And we will catch you on another episode of Mafia Memoirs. And remember, we will be at Mobile Tech Expo this week. So make sure you drop by and see us. Have a great day.